Today on Locked On Canadians, I have some delightful special guests to help me break down the Calgary game that's coming up tonight. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 737 of Locked On Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Uh, my name is Laura Saab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm not joined, as usual, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla. Instead, I have more wonderful people joining me today. Uh, sorry, Scott, but the lovely Mike and Nathan from The Scorch Stack are here. So if you listen to our podcast long enough, you'll have heard them both. Uh, you'll have loved them both, and I'm excited to have them uh, join me today to kind of preview the Calgary game. I'll be honest, I wasn't keeping up with the Calgary Flames, so I'm going to ask a lot of questions. So first, Mike, how are you doing? And thank you for giving me your time today. Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm always glad to help out and uh, make your life a lot easier. Thank you so much. And Nathan, you you were on fairly recently, I guess maybe a year ago, so not that recent. Uh, but you were on with Ramp. How are you doing? Thank you for being back. Great. It, it does not feel like a year. Time uh, has no meaning, uh, either pandemic or post-pandemic, however you want to view it. So you could have told me it was five years ago, and that sounds right. But I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping me out. Uh, full disclosure, peek behind the curtain. I thought that tonight's game, like tonight was the Calgary game, not the preview for the Calgary game. So these lovely gentlemen helped me out in a pinch uh, with Scott not here. Uh, and I have a lot of questions about the Calgary Flames because I'll be really honest, I've been so focused on on the Habs night in and night out that I haven't had time to pay attention. But we know they had a pretty big offseason. Uh, they obviously lost uh, Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, but then I feel like they pulled off a really good trade with the Florida Panthers. People thought Florida won that trade. I, I, I feel like it was fine. But how's it shaking out on the ice? So uh, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan and I and... Uh, Scorchy Rams and everybody, we were at the the Panthers game last night in Calgary. So we got to see kind of firsthand, um, I guess, or the difference between what the teams look like currently. I know like Florida's got a lot of energy um, injuries, but um, and obviously we've seen a handful of games from Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdeau, but uh, it's it's kind of been hot and cold at times. I think I think the adjustment period for Huberdeau in particular um, hasn't gone as quickly as I think a lot of fans would have wanted. Um, then again, we also did learn recently that he started the season injured. So um, it was probably a, a huge contributing factor to what was an up and down start for him. And I think with Mackenzie Weger in particular, you know, he's been pretty fantastic, really low key, providing a lot of value in terms of defensive impacts, not so much offensively, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, but I think that the one thing that the, the Flames really lack is that kind of crunch time um, impact forward you know when they really need a goal that's something that you know Matthew Kachuk was really really vital and contributing to during his six or so seasons with the Flames um, I think it was six seasons um so so far it's been hot and cold um there there are things that, that the team is obviously lacking um but I don't think it is solely on the fact that Matthew Kachuk isn't there I just think that there are a few components that he contributed ni nicely to um that they they should want right now yeah I think jumping off of what Mike said you know Matthew Kachuk in this league is a unicorn. He can do it all. So when you trade Matthew Chuck, even as good as the trade package was, 
you are trading away Matthew Kachuk. So the absence, I think, is felt. And I think that after a summer where a lot of people were surprised at how the Calgary Flames really were the main character of summer, that it would just be an, an immediate jump into just being awesome. Like it was a game of EA, NHL, 2022, and I can just plug and play players as I go and still use the same tricks and this and that. And that's not how it works, human beings. So I think that learning about how Huberdo has had to adjust, I think Huberdo is learning also how to play under a coach like Daryl Sutter. Um, Mackenzie Weger is going to be a very good defender for the Flames for a long time, but he's not going to be a Kale McCarr-esque type of player. So expecting all these big things from these players, I think, was setting themselves up to fail. And really, this team needs time to to gel and learn. I mean, half the roster really is different. So it's not, uh, It's. I think it's, yeah, there was a lot of high expectations. I think we can still get there. It's just, it wasn't going to happen immediately, and that's okay. And so I, I, I meant to ask you, because I feel like, you know, when I look to you and I look to your opinions, yes, I'm looking to be entertained, but I think you have your finger on the pulse a lot more. I, I, we have that same thing in our, in our fan base as well, right? Some people who are way too pessimistic, some people who are way too optimistic. I think you guys just kind of like, you don't take it too seriously and you have fun with it all. Are you surprised by the way this is shaken out or is this, has this been what you thought it would be in the early going of the season? I think I'm a little surprised, Laura. Uh, I don't think that the, uh, I had it written in that a big six-game losing streak after going 5-1 and one to start the season is kind of how I envisioned this going. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, we were rolling like we're Boston. And, oh, my gosh, we've lost two games. How could we ever do that? Um, but to start the season so well at 5-1 and one, and then – Really, that that Buffalo game is what really haunted us. Where it was like, oh, we are we are fallible, even in teams like Buffalo, and then it just kind of kept snowballing, which was a little bit uh, disappointing. I do think that the Flames are a better team so far. Uh, I don't think though that they are are world beaters necessarily just yet. But I think losing six in a row was a, was a healthy reality check to say, all right, this team has places to go. I don't think Jacob Markstrom is playing at uh, full health, and that's just me speculating. That's there's no official confirmation or even a rumor going around but his wrist just doesn't look great to me uh but i think that they would have been a little bit better but i think not um an all-star team if that makes sense that absolutely makes sense so one final question before we switch segments um mike i i wonder like from your perspective having that six game losing streak so early in the season does that give them an opportunity to make enough changes because in montreal everybody wants the veterans traded and they want young players or prospects for the rebuild and I don't think it works that way. The market right now is kind of a toilet. So um, what are your thoughts on, you know, what changes they can make? Is it more internal? Is it strategic? Is it coaching? Is it just in general, just people need to just chill out and sort of put things back together? I think it's a lot of things. Um, I think if you look internally, um, I think Daryl Sutter could mix up his lines a little bit differently to play to player strengths, you know, things that they do and players that do things very well and exceed in doing it on a regular basis. You know, um, for example, the combination of Dylan Dubé, Andrew Mangipani, and new Calgary Flame, Nazem Kadri, who we love. He's fantastic. But stylistically, putting Dylan Dubé, who clocks out at basically a third liner at best on the second line regularly, kind of pointless, um, especially when, you know, he doesn't do a lot of things well consistently. Um, I know he did score short and a goal last night, but we didn't see it. We were walking to the Saddle Dome still. So I don't think that really counts, honestly. Like that goal never happened as far as I'm concerned in history. Um, I, I just don't think that it's the right blend on that particular line. And, and of course, Andrew Mangiapane has been hot and cold all season, and there's a lot of people expecting big things from him. So, you know, maybe those are two line mates in particular that aren't a good fit for somebody like Nelson Kadri, who plays a very 
you know, north south game, um, very agitative and in, um, you know, aggressive in that. So maybe you play somebody else who plays north to south with him, for example, like a Jonathan Huberto or, um, you know, a Tyler Toffoli or, you know, somebody of that mix just to try to get the right combination there. Um, the other pro- problem internally is that unsurprisingly um there is nepotism in the nhl and more specifically with the calgary flames when it comes to like their fourth line and there are guys that consistently get ice time even if it's under 10 minutes a night and they do nothing um they're obviously better hockey players than me which i mean i think most people are but um i know one thing and one thing is that milan lucic is you know utterly hopeless on the ice and he's still getting regular playing time um you could inject some sort of skill for example a a diminutive, uh, wonderfully well-kept uh, scoring phenom in the AHL, like Matthew Phillips, call him up and see what he can do. Um, you know, if he's playing a like... small goals boy. Seven, You've got a small yeah, goal. Small, small goal yeah. <laughs> yeah, except, you know, he'll fight people like twice the size in the AHL. You know, it, it, he's not afraid <laughs> of a challenge. And I, I think, um, you know, that's something that should be heralded to some degree um, as a quote-unquote intangible that Daryl Sutter should love. But, you know... There's, he's not going to want to play this guy. But I think if you were, for example, to give him a shot, call him up, maybe he plays really well. You bump him up the lineup and see what happens. Um, you know, there's a, there's options there. And then, of course, like if you look at the league, like you said, it's kind of a toilet. Every team is capped out. The only way you're moving salary out to make sweeping changes or very, um, I guess, maybe aggressive changes at this point uh, requires moving assets to dump salary, right? Like we saw it with Sean Monaghan going to Montreal. We had to pay a first to get rid of that guy because he had two bum hips and he was coming off another surgery and they needed money to sign Nazem Kadri. So it's like, you're only limited with, you know, basically internal options, um, or God forbid, you know, something miraculous happens and money starts moving around in the league and you can make some changes, but, um, it, it's got to start in the locker room, I think with some really minor, minor things like lines and then go from there. I agree with you. And we do, we have lost Nathan. He is trying to get back into the room. So we're going to let him back in whenever we can. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to switch around. I I do want to ask some questions about Sean Monaghan, actually. uh, And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis, everything you could possibly want, including sports podcasts. I know you love them because you're listening to us right now. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and even esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix, and so you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more Bet online is where the game starts. And while we wait for Nathan to come back, uh, I'm going to start asking uh, Mike about Sean Monaghan. Here's the thing about Sean Monaghan, right? He needed a fresh start in Montreal because he's had sort of an injury plagued, I want to say career. It's uh, the last few seasons, but as long as I can remember Sean Monaghan, it's been a lot of injuries, some bad luck on that front. But in Montreal, so far, so good. I'm knocking on wood because I don't want to jinx our, our lovely and handsome uh, addition from Calgary. We thought that this was just a situation where the Canadians were trying to acquire first pick. And then anything that happens with Sean Monaghan, whatever it is, was not really relevant. But he's really gelled into this lineup and he has been producing. And I think that that like that surprised me. That's honestly surprised me. I thought even if he's, you know, even if he's back in the lineup, first of all, we didn't even think that he was going to be ready to start the season. Um, but to contribute to find chemistry with people like Kirby Doc or Christian Dvorak or 
um, or Evgeny Dodonov. Like, though, I, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by Sean Monahan. So I'm wondering about your experience of him. So let's put all the injuries aside. How good of a player had he reached his full potential? Would he have been in Calgary? Um, I think the one comparison I made years ago privately with a group of people, Nathan might've been in a chat was like Phil Kessel, if he played center. So very offensively minded, but like a complete void zone in terms of defensive awareness in the, the defensive zone. Um, that was never a strong suit. I know a lot of people might try to cite, um, you know, his draft profile in the draft year coming out of the OHL with Ottawa, but um, nobody cares about that. Um, nobody cares how great of a defense you play in the OHL in your draft year, because the only thing that gets you to the NHL most of the time is, you know, how many goals and points you put up. And, and that's what he was gifted with, you know, a, an exceptional shot and uh, ability to finish well above the, the league average. And he rode that for quite a while. It helped that he had a small goal scoring phenom on his wing to help feed him for the bulk of that. Um, but I think the the biggest hindrance for him isn't so much like, you know, in the defensive zone, I think it's the fact that like he just isn't able to finish at an above average rate now that started to drop off even when he was healthy to some degree. Uh, I mean, maybe you could argue to some degree that, you know, the underlying impact of health and, and injuries that we were or were not aware of contributed to that. But at the end of the day, he kind of eroded um, to just being empty calorie points, you know, the power of play being useful and kind of net front or in the bumper role to set up plays there. Um, which, you know, obviously sucks that you never want to see a player like his stature, you know, come through the system and, and develop and, and eventually erode that quickly. But that's kind of what he clocked out as. Now, the league still has a need for players like that who can just dine out on the power play and, you know, contribute. But, um, you know, foot speed and mobility started to catch up with them. And um, it was, you know, even if you took the injuries out of the, you know, the, the kind of equation there, he wasn't the most mobile of guys either, a fleet of foot. So, um, you know, offensively minded devoid of any defensive value um empty calorie guy but uh no great smile great hair <laughs> we do love him and that's the interesting thing is that you know the montreal canadians as a whole are kind of a defensive black hole <laughs> so it's not like it's not he i i feel like he must feel just at home here um we are we are struggling a little bit like even the top line with nick suzuki and kirby doc right like two of two of the two-way players that we have that are generally good defensively because they take so many tough minutes and they're playing on the top line with Cole Caulfield. It's going really well offensively, but every time I see them in the defensive zone, I know I'm, I'm, I'm looking at like two minutes stuck in the defensive zone. Uh, so that, you know, that's been an interesting uh, comparison because I feel like the Canadians kind of have a lot of guys like that, where it's like their contracts are coming up. They are veterans. They do have some value, but not all the value. Um, so everybody's patiently waiting for him to be traded. And to his credit, like Sean Monaghan's doing everything he possibly can in Montreal to increase his value. Like we've like, literally we thought this was going to be a, who cares, not noticeable, just whatever it is, like take the first pick, the, 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 the first rounder, all of that. It's going much better than I expected. So I'm going to turn it back around to Calgary because I have a lot of other questions. Uh, let's talk. If I may look really very quickly. Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> One thing I do want to add about Sean Monaghan, I apologize for dipping out. Um, Brad Trilliving heard me talking about Jacob Markstrom and cut my Wi-Fi, um, But <laughs> I, I will say that with, with Sean Monaghan, I, I believe I read this a couple of years ago, that where one of Sean Monaghan's greatest skills was that most of his shots hit the net. I think it was something about 70 or 80% of them. He was able to find that time, whatever it was, to make sure that it hit the net. It wasn't necessarily going in the net, but he didn't have a lot of block shots. He didn't have a lot of um, shots that went wide. He really, a lot of his shots that he took, followed through and really hit that net. And I think that's something that's been hampered by injuries. 
And so it's just one of those, it's, it's the little things in the game where if Monaghan is able to find that space and have someone who's finding that space for him at the time, he's able to get it on net. And so we saw the effectiveness down when the injuries kind of hampered there. But that skill, that IQ to say, I, I, this shot needs to hit the net is still there for him. So I think in a space right now where Marty St. Louis uh, has told him, go out there and have fun, he's not so much worried about everything else that's going on. He's just using his... Uh, primal thoughts i will say uh you know he, he is gifted with a brain that can focus intensely on hockey or whatever task is in front of him uh and so when he's just out there having fun he's remembering everything else that wasn't injury hampered that's something i'm still be an effective player for montreal and so that's that's another thing right like montreal's big on hockey iq people like they're all their forwards all, everybody they draft pick or you know trade with the intention trade for with the intention of keeping high hockey IQ guys. I think Martin St. Louis just really loves that. And he does tend to find like whatever it is that they still have in them and bring it out, right? Like whether you have one skill or whether you have many skills, he's really good at, at doing that. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's interesting because he hasn't been coaching for all that long, right? Like if you take all of his months of NHL experience, it's like five or six at this point. It's not, it's not a whole lot, uh, but he's made an impact. And he's also at the same time making those mistakes and learning from them. Uh, one of the mistakes, obviously, is the fact that the Canadians' power play is abysmal and hopeless. And at some point, you know, the refs stop calling penalties on the opponents, even though they deserve them, because they don't want to see any more of the Canadians' power play at all. Uh, but I wanted to kind of uh, talk a little bit about tonight's game uh, and how to kind of, you know, what to expect from Calgary. And that's all coming up in just one moment. All right. Uh, let's break it down. Calgary, goaltending, offense, defense, special teams. How are they doing this year? I'm going to ask Nathan first because you were out for a while. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, I will start with goaltending, and I'm sure Mike's going to have opinions, so I will throw it back to him as well. Um, Calgary's goaltending, I was hinting at this before I disappeared briefly, but I don't think that Jacob Markstrom is playing at top speed. I think there's a lot going on. Um, if I had to speculate, uh, you know, he is someone who just recently learned he's going to be a parent. He's got a lot of stuff going on off the ice. Not to say that it's troubling or distracting, but Jacob Marstrom is, is a human being right now. He came off a tough loss to the Edmonton Oilers in the second round of the playoffs. Um, and I don't think he looks healthy. I don't think he is, uh, you know, done as a goalie in this league. I think that's ridiculous. But right now, he is not doing well. Dan Vildar, on the other hand, looks good. Uh, his record is abysmal, but it's not necessarily his fault. He's looked very good in games where he just hasn't gotten that goal support. So I'm kind of hoping to see Daryl Sutter uh, maybe just give him a little bit of a run. I don't think this is necessarily a goaltending controversy. I think this is really just a chance to hit reset and Sutter can play his Sutter games that he loves to play. Uh, but right now, it's not so much about um, finding the, the the combination that's going to work in the playoffs. It's about making sure this team actually gets a little bit more confidence in themselves. And I think that Dan Vladar is the answer uh, for this stretch of games this week. Mike? Yes. Everything that Nathan said about Dan Vladar is true, given that we just watched him play fantastic hockey. And uh, he also played really great the other night against Pittsburgh. And uh, despite the fact that people might have argued that uh, Jacob Markstrom should have started, but they didn't look at the stats and the stats don't lie. Um, he was phenomenal. I, I think um, the only thing that kind of stands out with Jacob Markstrom right now that kind of bothers me is that, um, and it's maybe endemic to the Flames franchise because, we, you know, again, we just learned recently that, that Jonathan Huberto started this season injured is that a lot of players in the Flames organization, if they are dealing with something 
health related, they keep playing until the wheels fall off or their performance tanks. And then it comes out like, oh, yeah, start of the season and I was banged up and everybody's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. So um, I think the more that Nathan talks about him potentially being hurt, the more it makes sense to me, just given what we know from a pretty large sample size of what Jacob Markstrom looks like on his peak and when he looks average and when he looks like right now, which is uh, he's like a two flusher in the toilet. Um, but kind of, you know, specific to like special teams in the power play and penalty kill, um, you know, power play is, it looks about as good as Jacob Markstrom right now uh, in when he's in the net, which is to say um, I, w- I would want to turn down every penalty that comes our way because it's probably no different than the, the Habs situation. Um, you know, they're just not clicking. Um, I think one thing that they've struggled to recreate is, Johnny Goudreau's ability to enter the zone and and set up. Um, they're relying on Nazem Kadri to be that guy, especially in like a, a drop entry, you know, when they're trying to break into the zone after maybe they get, you know, kicked out of the offense and so they have to break back in. But um, they're just not setting up well. Um, there's a lot of hesitation and indecision, especially when it comes to Huberdo floating uh, in, in the formation and trying to set people up or trying to break in. Um, and then they're also just relying on a lot of point shots as well at times to you know, kind of get things moving as opposed to getting forwards active and engaged in the play. Um, the second power play unit is scraps. You know, it's a Milan Lucic out there with Adam Ruzica and uh, Michael Backlund and hoping hoping to whatever god they worship that uh, maybe they can get something on the net and occasionally it happens, but it's not consistent. And the penalty kill is a little bit better. Um, I really like what they're doing this year. It's a little less aggressive in their in-zone attack. Um they're not pressing as much, but they are creating opportunities, which I find really fascinating. Like they're, they're playing a very passive pressure pressure game, um, really active again on dealing with the offensive zone, you know, break in um, from the attacking team. I really like um, the use of defensemen and um, forwards kind of pressing on puck carriers um, when they're doing their forecheck. Um, I think it's worked out really nicely. The only thing I'd like to see a little bit more in the penalty kill is a little bit more high aggressive, you know, high aggressive, you know, aggro penalty killing, like very aggressive press, um, trying to, you know, get the pocket of the zone a lot quicker and um, actually clear the zone. You know, they're doing a lot of kind of backhanded or like off the boards clears, you know, just get it down the ice. It's you're going to eat more time rather than, you know, a board battle and all of a sudden you turn the puck over and it's in the back of the net. So minor things, but I have a lot of confidence that Ryan Huska can kind of get them back to where they were playing previously, you know, in really good stretches. So I just remembered how much I love listening to Mike Fail talk about a penalty kill. Like that, this was like a treat listening to this. But I just need to roll this back a second. Did you say Milan Lucic was on a power play unit? Yeah, uh, he's a. I, I I just assume that they can't get him off the ice due to his you know <laughs> lack of fleet of feet. Um, he is out there doing things. I think I I can only imagine that you know. He's like a, you know, when you would go to like a grocery store and you see like a bunch of teens working and you could usually pick out which ones were just kind of like they're eating time, just getting paid on the clock because they had nothing better to do. Like they're not putting anything on the shelves. <laughs> they're not helping anybody. They're not going out to get carts that are just left in the, the parking lot strewn about, you know, somebody could hit one or, you know, God forbid somebody needs one to put their groceries in. Like he just stands there. He he loiters around. Um, there's like a listlessness of him that, you know, he's searching for some sort of meaning in his life after reading Nietzsche for like the first time in his life. And he's discovered <laughs> existential crisis. Like he's just, he's, he's a futile player who can't do anything right in my eyes. And by saying that he's going to score versus the Habs now, and I'm going to n- never hear the end of it. The problem also is 
that with Lucic on the power play. If you're going to insist on having Lucic on the power play, I get it. He's a, he's a big man. Use that. That's it. That's his strength is physically. He cannot be shrunk, but instead they have him on the second power play with Michael Stone blasting shots. And it's like, great. We're going to shoot from as far out as possible and hope that this massive Hulk doesn't actually block the shot, but screams the goalie and instead we're getting like we're just inching closer to a game of will michael stone inadvertently manslash on the ice by just ripping shots at him because if you're gonna have lucic block the net it would make a lot more sense to have that east west passing have that goalie oh where's the puck i don't know but if we just keep on like mike was saying try and just blast it from the point milan lucic is doing the the defending team a favor by just being a big guy that's just there as opposed to any value whatsoever. I'm not advocating for Milan Lucic to be on the power play, but if you insist upon it, like he is anchored to that ice, at least use him effectively. Are you advocating for a puck to hit him and take him off the ice for an indefinite period of time? Not that it harms his livelihood or long-term health, but just removes him from play for, let's say, 82 games with the Calgary Flames or how many what, like 60 <laughs> games I don't know the point like how many it takes in the regular season plus a playoff run to get the cup like he just is hit with a puck never never comes back it's just great that you know, he's in the press box he's loving life you know he just doesn't come back on the ice is that what you're advocating for? the words that you said out loud on YouTube and most people don't speak like that on YouTube so we're giving you a quick suspension to think about what you've said advocating harm <laughs> upon others never our motto here <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you didn't answer the question, Nathan. Are you advocating for this or not? <laughs> oh, I think that uh, if it's not a healthy scratch, then whatever the fates may decide with Milan Lucic, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> the fates are going to decide that he's going to score two against the Habs just to spite Mike. Uh, all yeah, right. and then he'll uh, be the three scores all year long. It'll be great. <laughs> So let's talk about the offense. We talked a little bit about it in the first segment when we talked about the changes. Where is it coming from? You know, what's what's their, I guess, what is the thing that the Canadians' defense should worry about other than the fact that they're the Canadians' defense? Nothing. They should not worry about uh, Actually, no, they scored, <laughs> they scored six on Florida. Um, what should they? Nathan, what should they worry about? I, I, they I'm should worry back. about Brett Ritchie. Uh, absolute threat to score from the worst possible angles of the ice. I think the weirdest goal that we saw against Florida was Brett Ritchie missed his initial shot, was awkwardly skating, and threw a puck on net that was apparently so hard. It, we watched it physically blast uh, Sergei Bobrovsky back into his neck, and the puck just kind of sat trickling there over the blue line. Brett Ritchie finds a way to be completely yeah, a non-factor throughout the entire time and then takes one bizarre goal line uh, angle shot that miraculously goes in, and that's how he's been aflame for four years in a row. Um, realistically, I know that Nazem Kadri has cooled off since he started, but he still looks great in transition. I think that right he now... He loves playing the, against the Habs. He loves playing against the Habs. Why wouldn't he? Um, I think that there is right now a lot of that cycling going on to find trying to find that chemistry. Um, Mike, I think, will want to talk about Tyler Toffoli, so I'll let Mike talk about him because he, he really waxed poetic about him great in the big Mike Day thing this week. Um, but I think that right now the threat is that guys are kind of kind of finding their groove. I talked a little bit about gelling. I think that last game was Manjapani's best game. I think that there's a lot more expectation, a lot more pressure. You know, it's not just, oh, ha-ha, this guy could play for Team Canada. It's, oh, this, this guy is legit. He's starting to get paid like he is expected to score 30 goals. He hasn't really been scoring as much as he has, but he's doing all the little things right. Like you see him engaged. He's in battles. I think that Andrew Mangiapane is set to kind of go on a heater a little bit. 
Um, and normally this is, this is a group of guys that has the talent. I think if you, if you sleep on them, um, right now, Calgary's really been sleeping on themselves. So I think there's only so much before someone has to say enough is enough and kick it into high gear. And I'm actually really looking forward to this game, to be honest. I know the Canadians are, their record has been surprising in that they're not completely in the toilet, but you know, things are working out in their favor and depending on who the goaltender is, right? Like they were both playing lights out. Uh, but Jake Allen has come a little bit back down to earth, but Semyon Montembeau is still putting up some insane numbers, you know, particularly for a guy nobody expected anything from. Like, you know, Florida put him on waivers and, can, and the Canadians picked him up. And so, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. But the, the fun thing about the Canadians is that you don't know what you're going to get um, on any given night because while they're working on individual players getting better, there's a whole lot that, like, doesn't really make sense. And, and Martin Saint-Louis does shake up lines and pairings and all of that. But Uri Slavkovsky is not playing very many minutes. They had him on the fourth line. They don't really know where to put him. You know, they, they know what they want him to end up as, but they're taking their sweet time with him. So, like, we don't really know. And then you've got players like Mike Hoffman, for example, who when they're in the lineup is like, what is that guy, right? Like, what is he? And then, you know, you've got your Kirby Doc, you know, finding really, really strong success on the wing with, with, with Nick Suzuki. So, like it's it's very much you don't really know what you're gonna get, but you know that at the very least um, that something surprising is gonna happen. And usually Cole Caulfield is going to score a goal. Like that's how it's worked this season so far. Uh, so I'm excited because I think you know I, I've always enjoyed watching the Habs play Calgary. You know when I say it, well, always, that's not all always. Like the last couple of years, you know, like th- they turn out to be really fun games. Uh, the Flames are a fun team to watch, despite you know they're inconsistency inconsistency this season and best of all i get to talk to you guys um because the scorch stack crew is my favorite crew locked on canadians will always love scorch stack we will always be best friends forever subscribe to scorch stack um so real quick i want to thank you guys for joining me uh particularly you know at the last minute and kind of helping me out because i'm an idiot uh so tell people where they can find your work and what you're all about Oh, do I get to do the sales pitch? Oh, this is great. Okay. Do it. <laughs> the year is 2020. I think it's 2020. Yeah. The year is 2020. Uh, the six of us at the Scorch Stack are thrown to the wind. We don't know what to do with our lives. The world is in chaos. And suddenly, through the echoes of time, Scorch appears to us. All of us consecutive. Once at, you know, one evening, we're all having six separate dreams. He appears in our dreams. Well, this is Scorch Stack. Since then, we have launched the number one Calgary Flames newsletter in the entire internet. Uh, that is factual in every ounce of the, the sentence. You, you cannot dispute it. We are a lifestyle brand. We are going to have water bottles. We're going to be on Twitch, YouTube, Friendster, Napster, Nexopia. Do you guys remember Nexopia? Number one, Cal- uh, I would say number one social media network in Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, you know, that general proximity. Maybe not so much back east, but like we're number one there too. We are everywhere. You can find us on Parler, Telegram, uh, CNN, <laughs> everywhere. Doesn't it doesn't matter? Every social media network that is like coming out of the woodwork right now is a replacement for Twitter. We have an account on it. We are providing content to the masses for free. Although, if you want to give us money, we will take donations. We are not going to solicit getting money on such a wonderful network as locked on Canadians. We would never do that to you. We will take betting money though. So if you are a betting company who wants to give us money to promote betting, a thing that all six of us love to do, we will do it. <laughs> oh yeah. 
make sure that you follow us on Twitter at the score shack, smash that subscribe button, read the newsletter, tell your family about it. Christmas, let them know that you didn't get them a gift because you got them a free subscription to the score shack. They will love you forever. They will pay for your college. They will buy you a house. They will pay for your wedding. If you don't want to get married, marry somebody anyways, and just take the money and run with it and say that score shack had you a bunch of money for a wedding. You're never going to attend. It's phenomenal. We changed lives. You do. You didn't even mention how many trades you've broken since you've existed. Oh, I, I don't want to flex too hard That's here. News. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's why oh, Mike is our VP of content and also lifestyle improvement. Uh, we each specialize in a different area, and Mike couldn't have said any better than I would. So I just won't. I'll defer to Mike on that one. And you can find my lovely, wonderful guests uh, on Twitter at the scorch stack as well um nathan can you spell your your twitter handle it's h-a-n-o-t-e-n yes that is exactly yes. right and then mike fail is mike and then in capital letters all caps f-a-i-l <laughs> you have to put the all caps in order to find them um you are so delightful i'm so so grateful to you for giving me your time today and in the meantime if you want to subscribe to this podcast you can find it anywhere you get your podcast as well as on youtube you can find me on twitter at lo underscore canadians you can also find me specifically on twitter at the active stick my co-host scott matla who will be back next week can be found at scott matla don't forget your mailbag questions email them to me at uh, lockedoncanadians at gmail.com thank you so much for listening i will be back tomorrow with a flames recap and the mailbag